stay here. <laughs> well, it's been a real joy to be with all of you this weekend. I've had a wonderful time, and we're here specifically to honor uh, Eric for the doctorate degree that he has just received from Christian Leadership University. And I, I'm the president and founder of Christian Leadership University, and, and Eric has spent a decade of his life <laughs> getting a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, and now a doctorate in ministry. I looked over his transcript last week and said, wow, he knows everything I know, and he's 29, and I was 59 before I learned it, so he's got a real head start on, on life, all right? And uh, I'm really, really proud of him. I've spent hours talking with him uh, over the weekend. It's been a really, really great time, and I believe that the Lord has an, a, a great anointing upon your life. And I want to, first of all, I want to award you the degree from Christian Leadership University, a doctorate in ministry. Can we give him a hand? Hallelujah. Woo-hoo! <laughs> right. Yay! And I would also like to just pray, just release an impartation, if I can, may. Father, we just thank you for Eric, and Lord, we thank you for his anoint- the anointing upon his life and the passion in his heart that has allowed him to come this far at age 29. And so, Father, we honor him. We honor what you are doing in his life. We honor who you have called him to be and the destiny that you have before him. And, Father, I just uh, release to Eric, Lord, the anointing that you have given to me to teach and to write. Because, Lord, there are many books within Eric, and I can see that. And so, Father, I just release a special anointing to write uh, about you and the power of your spirit and, and your kingdom as it invades our world here today. Father, I also release to him the anointing to hear your voice and to teach others how to hear your voice. That anointing you've given to me, I release it to Eric right now. And Lord, we just celebrate you. We celebrate Eric. We celebrate his place in your kingdom. All God's people said, amen. Eric, God bless you. (laughs) Hallelujah. Woo. Uh, we are so proud to have graduates uh, like Dr. Eric uh, as a part of Christian Leadership University. He's written a book on eschatology, and he's got more books inside of him. And, uh, you know, I looked up eschatology when I was in college and decided, oh, there's four different views, and I can back all of them up with scripture, so I'm going to just skip the whole topic, you know. And uh, he, he did it. Uh, he went ahead and laid out all four views in his book on eschatology, which he wrote for a dissertation, backed up all four with scripture, laid them all out side by side, and said, you can look them over, pray about them, see what God is saying to you. How many think that's a pretty nice way to uh, approach a topic, amen? Yeah, because there's enough division in the church and enough fighting over enough things. When you have as much symbolism as you have in eschatology, how many know being a little open-minded is a pretty good idea, amen? (laughs) <laughs> and he has done that in a very magnificent way. So he's got a great book. I hope you've already got it. If you haven't, by all means, grab one. All right, get one. He can get you one. So, Eric, we're very proud of you. Amen. Come on, let's give him another hand. Can we do that? <clears throat> okay, so uh, this morning, I, I just really love the uh, poster on his door of his office. It says, this sermon's going to be short. Underneath it says, misinformation <laughs> reviewed by third-party witnesses. And so, um, whatever. I'm not going to guarantee you a short sermon, but we will have a sermon. Is that okay? <clears throat> so, my sermon is going to come from my life. And uh, 
when I was younger than Eric is right now, I was a young man in the ministry. And I had a hunger in my heart, which I'm sure all of us in this room have, which is I would like to be used by God uh, in his kingdom to do some wonderful things. If you have a hunger like that, would you say amen? And I was reading books that were really inspiring me. One was uh, by Paul Young Cho. He has a church in Seoul, Korea, which at that point in time had three quarters of a million people in it. And now it's got a million people in it. And I even had the honor of being able to go over there and be in one of his services. It was great. But I, how many know that's a great thing to, to produce in the kingdom? Amen? I mean, we never in the history of the world have had churches like that. And now we've got a half a dozen churches that are like that big or even bigger. So we're living in the most astounding time in the history of the world. We've never had what we have today, all right? So if you don't listen to the news and just think about these kinds of things, you'll be very, very excited about the future, all right? And, um, and I was praying and saying, Lord, I'd like to do the kinds of things he's doing. You know, how do you do that? Because my middle name is How To, okay? It's Mark How To Verkler, all right? And just, like, I want to know how to make things happen, because if I can know how to make it happen, I can make it happen in my life. And if I don't know how to, I can't, you know? And um, so as I read his book, and I'm looking for the answer to the question, how did he do this? And he said, well, there's two things you do. You, you need to get a rhema word from God and get a vision from God. And I'm saying, yeah, that, that sounds really, really right. And as a matter of fact, we talked all weekend about getting a rhema word from God. Anyone uh, know, uh, like, maybe the four keys to hearing God's voice? This is a review quiz for those who were here. And if they flunk it, I'm going to stop the sermon right now, okay? So it's kind of important that you shout out something here. What, one of the four keys to hearing God's voice, could we get it? Yeah, calm yourself down, quiet yourself down. What's another one? Vision. Fix your eyes on Jesus, who's right here with you. And the third key was? Spontaneity, recognize his voice as spontaneous flowing thoughts that light up on your mind. And the fourth key was journal, write them down. Because if you start journaling, the flow will continue and you can get a 20 minute conversation with God where he's just talking to you and giving you wonderful counsel. Those are the four keys. We, we fed them to you through a fire hose over the weekend. So most of you drowned it, I think, all right? And, uh, but Eric's going to come back on Wednesday nights. Am I correct? And in a little while, he's going to start the whole series. And I have no idea how long it'll go. It should go as long as it takes to everybody gets it, right? I mean, because how many think if you practiced it together for a while, all right, uh, and shared your questions and got your answers, how many think you could get it after a period of time, amen? And it could be a working part of the fabric of your life. How many think learning to hear God's voice and see vision would be very nice to have as a working part of the fabric of your life. Amen? Because Jesus did only those things he heard his father speaking and saw his father doing. So we want to become like Christ. So it took me a year to learn the four keys. I don't think it'll take you that long because if you have a mentor ahead of you, uh, resources ahead of you, and you're learning together in a group, you can learn a, a fraction of the time um, that what it took me. Okay? Um, I'm better, by the way, I never learn anything alone. Whenever I'm asked, God's asked me to master something, I get a group of people around me who want to master the same thing, and, say, and it could be a Zoom group or whatever, a group around me, and we're going to say, we're going to explore it together. Because how many know one can put a thousand to flight, two can put how many? Ten thousands. So we can be ten times more effective if we're teamed up. So Wednesday nights, 10, 15, 20 weeks, whatever you run, you'll be teamed up, learning together, applying it together, journaling together, hearing God's voice, sharing it with one another. How many think 10 to 20 weeks of that? would probably instill it in your life as a permanent part of your life. Amen? 
Amen. So I encourage you to, to take that up when, when it kicks in on Wednesday nights in a little while. So I really liked what, what Cho had to say. And then at the same time, I was reading Kenneth Hagin's books. He's the father of the faith movement. He had a tremendous healing ministry. He built Rhema Bible Institute. He had a network of uh, many, many, many hundreds of ch uh, churches, faith churches. And I thought, man, how did he build that? And he said, well, you, he said, if you want a miracle from God, you need three things. He said, you need to get a, a, scripture, a scripture that covers the situation. You need to ponder it, need to speak it, need to act on it, and it'll release a miracle. And I thought, ha, huh. well, it obviously worked for him because he's releasing miracles. He's seen miracles in his ministry. But I said, Lord, the three things he says you need to do are not the two things that, uh, that Cho said to do. And so uh, now I'm confused because I got two people who are extremely successful and they're using two different methodologies. And so I'm at the altar of my church in my young 20s praying, saying, God, could you help me understand this? Because this is really confusing to my head. And it was like a flash of revelation. He showed me they just fit, fit together like a hand in a glove. Cho's message and Hagen's method just fit together like a hand in a glove. I jumped to my feet. I saw it. It's a flash of revelation. I preached it that Sunday morning, and I preached it, oh, hundreds of Sunday mornings since then, okay, to churches I've been in all over the world. So I want to share it with you this morning. It's a wonderful revelation. I have lived out of it for the last, I don't know, how old am I, 50, 70? So let's see, 20 to 70, 50 years. I've lived out of it for 50 years. So, so you've got a chart, hopefully, uh, Mountain Moving Faith. Did you all get one of those? Is there anyone who did not get one of these in the way yet? Yeah, if you raise your hand, maybe we can get someone to get you one. If, if anybody doesn't, yeah, I see someone's going to keep your hand up until one of these arrive at your place because they are in the process of getting it to, the, to you. So how to have mountain-moving faith, faith that can produce miracles and create amazing things uh, through you for the kingdom of God, all right? So uh, <clears throat> the, the five things that these two men talked about, two verse plus three, are all listed right there on the PowerPoint right now, and they're all listed on the sheet you know, that you're looking at. Five different steps to releasing a miracle. And these five steps, I believe, are simply stated as filling the five senses of your spirit with God. All right, and so we're just going to look at what the five senses are. If you go down the left side of the chart, we're going to run down the five senses of your spirit quickly. We got ears in our heart that can hear a rhema word. Um, can come from God, can come from the Holy Spirit, can come from an evil spirit, but you can hear with the ears of your heart. And the uh, second sense of your spirit is the eyes of your heart. Paul said, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, okay? So we've got eyes that can see vision. How many know the Bible is full of people who heard God's voice and saw vision? If you know that, say amen. Amen. So those are the first two senses of your spirit, and that's where, if you go across the chart, you'll see that's where conception takes place. You're going you're to conceive a seed which you can become very, very pregnant with and large with and finally birth a miracle. And these are the two things that show mentioned and Cho emphasized and Cho used to build a church of a, of a million people, all right? He got a rhema word from God, he got a vision from God, and he built out of that rhema word and that vision. So the next three senses of the spirit are the things that Kenneth Hagin talked about, and um, so the third sense of your spirit is your inner mind, where you can, uh, in Luke chapter 2, verse 19, it says, Mary pondered these things in her heart. 
See, I didn't even know I had a mind in my heart because I was kind of taught mind was part of soul. Uh, mind, will, and emotion was soul. But now science has proven you have a mind in your heart. The Bible talks about a mind in your heart. There's a verse right there that says you have a mind in your heart. So maybe mind, will, and emotion is not necessarily all soulish. Maybe it's the heart-spirit level. And if so, boy, that changes the way I look at things inside of me and look at life. So yeah, we got a mind where we can mull over whatever we want to mull over. It can be a word from God or a word from an evil spirit, either one. Um, inner will, and the next note, the fourth sense of your spirit, inner will where you make decisions. We have an ex example there of Acts chapter 19, verse 21. Paul is on his way to Jerusalem. Agabus is a prophet. He comes up to Paul and he takes his girdle, he ties up Paul's hands, and he says, if you go to Jerusalem, you're going to tie it up just like this. And you know what Paul's response was? He says, I have purposed in spirit to go to Jerusalem. Say purposed in spirit. So I decided in my spirit, the will of my spirit, I've made a decision in the will of my spirit um, to go in this direction, and I don't really care what it costs me. If I get tied up, if, if I get tied up and go to prison, that's fine, okay? So that's a will in the level of my spirit where convictions are born, and I will follow those convictions no matter what they cost me. That's a little bit different than the will in the level of my soul where I say, hey, you know, I prefer pizza Sunday night, you know, but I'm not going to die for pizza on Sunday night, but the fact that Jesus is my Lord, I'm willing to die for that. So maybe a will on two different levels, maybe a mind on two different levels, Okay, and how about uh, inner emotions? Maybe emotions on two different levels, the soul and the spirit. Does the Bible say we have emotions in our spirit? And if emotion shows up in our spirit, does it affect our behavior? So I go to you a verse there in 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 5. It's Ahab, King Ahab, who's having a tantrum and a fit because he tried to buy the vineyard next to his palace, which was Naboth's vineyard. And I don't know, remember what Naboth told him? <laughs> He said, no, I'm not going to sell you my vineyard. How many know most kings are not really comfortable with their subjects saying no to them? So he throws a fit, all right? And he goes in the middle of the afternoon, he's sulking, he's laying in his bed, not eating any food. This is called mature behavior for the king of the land. It's uh, pretty similar to the kings that we have in our land today, I believe, okay? And uh, so his wife, Jezebel, she comes and she says this to him. Why is it that your spirit is so sullen? Huh. Well, how many would agree that sullenness is an emotion? Yes? And it's on what level? Is it that in his soul or is that in his spirit? How is it? You're right. How is it that your spirit is so sullen? I said, huh. I've been taught emotions were soulish and I should just kind of disregard them and disdain them and marginalize them, which is what I've done all my life. But hey, you know, if they're in my spirit and if they move, if they move me to action, because man, this sullenness, which was kind of a nasty emotion to have in his spirit, moved him to action, but it wasn't really cool action, it was bad action. I'm gonna sulk in the middle of the afternoon because I didn't get my way. How many of you know, how many of you know if I had kingdom emotions in my spirit, joy and peace, the kingdom is joy and peace, how many of those could move me to action also, but it'd be kingdom action, not sulking and throwing a fit, amen? So all of a sudden, I thought, my goodness, maybe I shouldn't be marginalizing emotion. Maybe they have a place. Maybe they're not just soulish. Maybe they're down in my spirit also. Maybe they're what moves me to action, and maybe I'm not going to be moved to action until I feel emotional in my spirit that moves me into that action. So I kind of 
changes the whole way I look at life and the way I look at the way I'm built and, and the way I look at emotions and whether I honor them or dishonor them because I was taught to scorn them and uh, now I don't. I, I honor them. Jesus moved by compassion. Is that an emotion? Moved by compassion did what? He healed. So the power to heal probably rides, I think, on the carrier wave of compassion, me loving the person deeply that I am praying for, reaching out my hand and touching, I'm assuming that power that gets released through that touch is going to ride on the fact that I have a compassionate, caring heart and love the person. If I don't love the person, there's nothing for the car there's no carrier wave for the healing power of God to ride on. Wow, it just changes a whole lot of things within me, if this is true, which I believe it is. Even though I've just given you one verse for each of those five senses, We've got a book that covers a whole lot more, okay? Because we looked up all 1,200 verses in Heart and Spirit. It's in a book out there called How to Walk by the Spirit. Because I wanted to understand my spirit. Because if I'm supposed to minister out of my spirit, I personally would like to know everything that God has said to me in the Bible about spirit. So that I can walk intelligently in the spirit. Okay, so those are the five senses. Guess what? <laughs> Every one of us is filling every one of those five senses every single moment of every single day, even if I haven't thought about it. Let's just run through a couple scenarios. So um, <laughs> let's say your boss comes to you, oh dear, this is going to be, <laughs> now this is going to be a good story here, okay? But your story is a good story too because now God's opened up a beautiful new opportunity for something better, something greater. You know, I mean, I, you know, when I got fired from a church, I, which I felt, thought I would live it, pastoring for the rest of my life, God opened up the world to me. You know, and I, was, and I began doing things that I'd never done before and didn't even think I could do, actually. So a closed door is always just an, an opportunity for another door to open, amen? So, uh, so let's say you go, to, you go to work on Monday morning and your boss says to you, hey, we've got this new position, this new opening, um, and uh, it's uh, better pay, uh, it's increased responsibility, and we would like to offer it to you. And <laughs> you say, <laughs> really? Um, let's see. I didn't go to college for this. I haven't been trained to do this. I have never done this before. I'm not even sure I can do it. Now, that'd be one possible way to fill the first sense of your spirit. Those are some thoughts which are not really good kingdom thoughts. Those are coming from the adversary and the accuser who's telling you that you're inept. Okay? So I'm going to run through this story twice. We're going to do it wrong the first time and right the second time. Okay? All right, so now let's see, let's see if I can get a second sense filled. How about a picture? Can I get a picture of what's going to happen? Yeah, I can see what's going to happen. I'll take the job. I'll try it. I'll fall flat in my face. I'll be the laughing stock of the community, and I'll be embarrassed to death. Okay? Ooh, now we've got conception. The first two senses are filled. Now let's see if we can ponder that all the way home, all right? So all the way home, as I'm driving home, uh, I'm pondering that idea. You know, I've not been trained. I don't think I can do this. I'll probably make a miserable fool of myself. And so then I'm going to fill the, the next sense of our spirits. Okay, that's the mind of your spirit. Number four, um, your inner will, where you speak, because Paul spoke from his inner will. He said, I'm going to Jerusalem. I purpose in the spirit to go to Jerusalem. So you speak it to your spouse. You know, you get home and say, hey, you know, I was offered this new job, but I've not been trained, didn't go to college for it, never done it. it scares me spitless. I don't think I should take it. Oh, well, I got four senses filled. How about the last one? The underlying emotions. So now I'm conv I've convinced myself. Now, emotions are byproducts of pictures. Okay, that's, please say, emotions are byproducts of pictures. Can we say it? 
See, it took me, I had to be 45, 50 before I could even say that sentence because I didn't know emotions are byproducts of pictures. And um, so since I've been looking at this picture now of me failing and falling flat in my face and being the laughing stock, that's produced an emotion of fear, all right? And so now I go back to the Boston in the morning and I say, thank you so much for the opportunity, but I'm gonna turn it down. What have I just birthed in the five senses of my spirit? Kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness? Kingdom of darkness. I started with accusation, I started with fear, I started with a fear of failure, and, and, and I birthed darkness, not light. If you see that, say amen. So let's do it right this time. <laughs> Boss offers you a job. Uh, you know, says so this is a brand new position, um, brand new opportunity, it's a pay raise, it's increased responsibility. And before you uh, think too much, you just say, uh, Lord, any thoughts here? <laughs> and of course, his voice is going to come as flowing thoughts that light up on your mind when you ask for some. And all of a sudden, the thought just comes drifting on in, which is, says, I've opened this door, and I want you to walk through it. And I said, well, really? Okay. So I got the first sense filled. How about the second sense? Lord, is there a vision that you can give me? He said, yeah. He said, I'm going to walk through this door with you. I'm going to anoint you and you're gonna speak the oracles of God, you're gonna have the mind of Christ, I'm, you're gonna perform beyond your natural ability because of the Holy Spirit within you that anoints you, and as long as you tune to that, you're gonna be 10 times bigger than you ever dreamed you could be. And I said, yep, I believe that picture is biblical. Uh, we sang about that all morning this morning, okay? So I believe what I sang, I believe it's true, I do have an anointing within me which is 10 times bigger than I am, if not 100 times bigger. So now we've got conception, first two senses are filled. So now let's incubate it. So I'm going to ponder this third sense in my spirit all the way home. I'm going to ponder that idea that God has opened the door for me. He's going to walk through the vision. He's going to walk through the door with me. He's going to anoint my mind through anointed reasoning, anoint my lips, okay? And I'm going to be able to perform supernaturally, way beyond my limitations. Okay, we got um, three senses filled. Now the fourth one, inner will, where we speak it forth. I'm going to say to my spouse when I get home, I'm going to say, you know, I was offered this new job, and even though in the natural, it kind of scares me, I tuned to God, and he actually said he'd open the door, and he was going to go with me, and he showed me a vision of that. And I'm thinking I should be trusting God instead of going with my fear of inadequacy. And so I go back the next morning, and I shake his hand and say, thank you very much. I have decided to accept the job. What have we just birthed in the five senses of our spirit? The kingdom of light or the kingdom of darkness? Kingdom of light. I just release God's kingdom out through the creative capacity of my spirit rather than releasing Satan's kingdom out through the creative capacity of my spirit. And when I saw that, I made a decision. I said, Mark, I am never again going to use the creative capacity of my spirit, those five senses, and fill them with darkness and fear and accusation and negativity. That is not what God gave me the creative capacity of my spirit for. He gave it to me so he could fill it with his spirit. Amen? So those are the five senses, and, those, and that's uh, chose the first two, get an idea and a rhema word, word from God and a vision. Kenneth Hagin says, hey, you want to ponder this, this idea, you want to speak it, and you want to act on it. So there it is, two, two great men who built two great ministries. And I think both of them probably did use all five senses of their spirits, even though each one of them emphasized different parts of it. Maybe the reason Kenneth Hagin Sr. never emphasized getting a rhema word from God in a vision is because he was a right brain visionary seer, and so he did that so naturally, he didn't even feel it had to be said. 
But um, things have to be said, even if they're natural to us, because they're not natural to everybody, because some people aren't right-brainers, they're left-brain thinkers. And if you don't tell a left-brain thinker how to get the word from the Bible that you're going to ponder, speak, and act, he may just go grab the verse he wants to grab, rather than letting the Holy Spirit give you the verse that's right for the situation. And how many think when God gives you the verse that's right for the situation, it's better than me just grabbing a verse that I'd like, amen? Yeah. Okay, so we've got a guy in scripture. This next column we haven't covered yet. It's, well, no, stay right there with me. Uh, thank you. Uh, we're going back to the five senses, but we're going to go over to the third or fourth column over, and we're going to look at Abram's life, starting in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. If you've got your Bibles with you, I would like you to turn to Genesis 12, 1 to 3. Abraham, you know his title. He is called the father of what? Well, he's called the father of faith is one thing he's called. Amen? Please say father of faith. All right, so when God calls somebody the father of something in the Bible, here's what I think that means. I think that means that that person models in their life all the key steps that I would need to take if I wanted to be a child of faith. So we can watch God fill all five senses of Abram's spirit with himself, one after the other, and that's exciting for me to see. All right, so his faith walk begins in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your father's house to um, a land that I'm going to show you. I am going to make you a what? A great nation, and I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make your name great, and I'm going to make you a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. How many think that's a very positive word to get in your morning devotionals in your journaling time? Yeah going to bless the whole world through you. Now, when we get that kind of, and, and you know, man, when I journal, I get this kind of amazing stuff, like God's going to do this amazing things, and I think, <laughs> have you noticed who you're talking to? You know, this is me, you know. He said, well, no, he said, I live within you, okay? I'm talking to the union of you and I together accomplishing this, but if I'm not conscious of that reality, and I think, with, I think of my own self, I'm going to think limitation. All right, so I got two choices to respond to this first journal entry. We're going to do this great thing way beyond your capacity. I can say, I can say, yes, Lord. Can we practice yes, Lord? Yes, Lord. Or I can say, oh, I don't think you can do that through me. <laughs> Remember Moses when God said, We're going to, I'm going to use you to speak to a couple million Israelites and take them to the, the, you know, the promised land? Moses said, no, you actually can't use me. And God, God says, why not? Moses says, well, because I can't talk very well. And God says, it's not a problem. I talk really well. Moses said, yeah, it's a problem. I don't talk very well. This is called a word curse that you speak over yourself and tell you what yourself why you can't be a kingdom participant because you don't have the goods. And God said, look, I can talk. Moses said, no, I can't talk. Do you know who won that particular debate? Moses won it, and God got angry with him and said, look, I'm going to give you Aaron to speak to you, but if you would have believed what I said, and if we would have said, yes, Lord, you could have spoken the oracles of God. So God will meet us where we're at. He may get angry at times because we explain to God why we're inept and can't do the stuff he wants us to do. How many think it would be really smart for all of us to quit telling God what we can't do? And if God calls us to do something, and it's in the Bible, we say, yes, Lord, I can do it. Can we say it together? Yes, Lord, I can do it. All right? Because I've spoken enough word curses over my life, and the Lord's corrected me in my journaling. Because I went to 
college and I went to high school and I was a straight B student in high school. I was a straight A student, B student in college. And I flunked English and grammar and spelling and hated writing, you know, and hated English. And, and, um, and I used to confess, I have a B-level brain because I had evidence to prove I had a B-level brain. I got straight Bs in college and straight Bs in high school. And God in my journal said, Mark, don't ever say that again. He said, now that you have the Holy Spirit within you, you have the mind of Christ available to you, you can tune to my flowing thoughts, I will give you brilliant solutions to difficult problems, you have a triple A brain. And if you all believe that's true about you, would you please say amen? Say, I have a brilliant mind. A little bit louder. I have a brilliant mind. Come on. Thank you. Because I have the mind of Christ. And I believe that's true because he spoke it over me as his blessing. And I receive it in simple childlike faith. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. How many think that's better than saying I got to be a little brain? You know, so I used to speak word curses and stupidity over my life and limitation over my life because I was listening to Mark Berkler's head and not listening to the voice of God. And anybody who starts journeying and hearing the voice of God, the voice of the wonderful counselor, they're going to realize there are no limitations in their life because they have the Holy Spirit within them, as we sang about over and over this morning. Isn't that great? Hallelujah. All right, so we got the first sense of Abram's spirit. We got a really brilliant idea that's way beyond his capacity to do because anyone know how old he is here when God tells him he's going to be the father of many nations? He's 75. <laughs> know how many kids he's got by his wife? Zero. <laughs> this is the time you say, God, I think you, you, you think you're speaking to Susanna Wesley who had zillions of kids. Uh, I'm the guy who can't produce in this area. How many know this is a good time to explain to God what he's missed? You know, God, this is an area I don't produce in. God said, well, it's an area that I produce in. So now we have a debate going again. Am I going to say, yes, Lord, you can? Or I'm going to say, I don't think so. Let's practice, yes, Lord. <laughs> okay, so the second sense of his spirit. Got your Bibles there? Go to Genesis chapter 15, verse 5. Well, we'll stop at verse 1. Genesis chapter 15, we'll stop at verse 1. God's speaking. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in the vision. Okay, we defined vision this weekend as flowing pictures that light up on your mind as you're asking the Lord for input. He can give you flowing thoughts, or he can give you flowing pictures, or he can give you both, okay? And normally he'll give you both, I think, especially if you're open to both, okay? So after these things, the word, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. He said, do not fear, I'm a shield to you. And going down to verse 5, he, which is God, took Abram outside and this is in a vision now. And he said, now look towards the heavens and count the stars. If you're able to count them, he said unto him, so shall your descendants be. <laughs> so in that verse, he's giving him a picture of what? A picture of the promise already fulfilled. See those millions and millions of stars? You're going to have millions and millions of kids. He has no kids, but now he's got a picture in his spirit of him functioning way beyond anything he's currently doing. Now, when God gives you a vision of the promise fulfilled, like, Mark, I've he healed your leg, because I tore a ligament in my leg a number of years ago, you know, and I'm hobbling around, can I barely move? 
He said, Mark, I've healed it. That's a rhema word. I said, could you give me a picture? He said, sure. <laughs> he said, there's going to come a day in your life where you're going to be on the beach with your grandson Hudson, throwing the frisbee and leaping from side to side, and it's not going to hurt at all. And a few years later, I was on the beach, leaping with side to side, throwing the frisbee with my son Hudson. So I held the vision for a couple of years, confessed it, believed it, and birthed the miracle of healing through my, in my knee. Pretty cool, amen? So let's read the next verse here, verse 6. Genesis 15, verse 6. Then he, what? Shouted out. He believed in the Lord, and God reckoned it to him as righteousness. Well, that's pretty interesting, because how many of you know it took some level of faith for him to leave Ur of Chaldees, move his family, and come on over to Israel? Does that take belief? But God doesn't mention he has belief but back in chapter 12, but we know he did because he acted in faith. Now God gives him a vision, and that vision has the power to elevate his level of belief, elevate his level of faith to such a level that God comments on it and says, whoa, there's a whole new level of faith here. So when you and I want a whole new level of faith, we need two things from God. We need first the rhema word of what he's doing in my life. And then we say, God, could you give me a vision of my life when this is fulfilled? And he'll give you that vision. If you hold that picture, your emotions are charged, your spirit is charged, your faith is charged, and God's willing to comment on that. And it takes you to a whole new level. Because God said to me when I was in my 20s, when I learned how to hear God's voice, <laughs> He said, uh, Mark, we're going to saturate the nation with the message of communion with God. I said, really? I pastor a church of 120, and the nation's big. He said, that's okay, I'm big. And a few months later, he said, Mark, we're going to, in my journaling, he said, we're going to saturate the world with the message of communion with God. I said, which one? The nation or the world? He said, it's up to you. It's your choice. And I told him, I'm a high-risk person. I'll go after the world. So I went after the world, and now for 40 years, I have traveled worldwide on six continents teaching how to hear God's voice, and we have students in 129 nations who've been through the course communion with God taking it and we've got thousands and thousands who've learned to hear his voice and who are teaching many 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 others to do that and we've had 80 other people who've written books that teach the four keys in those books and draws people in a two-way journaling those are books that I didn't even write they're just our children wrote those our spiritual children how many know that's the beginning of the saturation of the world with the message of communion with God amen how many think that's pretty amazing for God to do of a pastor of a church of 120 who planned on being a dairy farmer when he grew up? I mean, I'm functioning like way beyond any ability that I thought I had, and it's because I said yes, Lord, to God, instead of, I don't think you can do that because i got a B-level brain. Amen. Preach it, Mark. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just pretend you're black. Come on, sig me on here. It'll be okay. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Yeah, okay. Let's have a party here. All right. So we got two senses filled. Okay, so he's what? He's 75, no kids. So he said, I'm going to believe God. You know, he believes God for a whole year, you know, going to have a child. How many kids at the end of a year? You can shout it out. That's okay. I believe in interaction. He has none. Okay, fine. I'm a, I'm a believer. God gave me a rhema word. He gave me a vision. I believe it. He believes it for five years. At the end of five years, how many kids? None. Well, that's fine. Still a believer, so he believes that for 10 years, acts in faith, tries to get his wife pregnant. How many kids at the end of 10 years? None. Oh, my. How many are sick and tired of believing this ridiculous stuff? I mean, God, I knew it couldn't happen in the first place, you know, and now it's pretty obvious it can't happen. It's not happening. So how many think there's probably a war going on in his, in his mind? We can go to the next PowerPoint because the next PowerPoint will talk about this war going on in his mind. 
And this next PowerPoint is not actually on your sheets of paper. So you can just observe it here or try to write real fast and take notes. But I think you'll be happier just observing it. So we've got Satan and his voice on the left side. He's the accuser, the liar, the adversary, the condemner, the thief who's trying to steal, kill, and destroy your faith, hope, and love. So I'm sure there's spontaneous flowing thoughts from demons going through his mind saying, hey man, <laughs> that wasn't really a rhema word from God. That wasn't really a vision. That was just your vain imagination. You're a fool, all right? Because look, you can't produce anything here and God's not helping you. Nothing's going on here, all right? And uh, plus that, plus, you know what? Even if God did intend to use you, he changed his mind because you know what? You're a habitual sinner. You, you didn't have enough faith to believe that God could keep your wife safe, and so you let her get transferred into a harem? How many women think that's kind of poor behavior on the part of your husband, you know? Especially if your husband's supposed to be the father of faith. You're not the father of faith. You're the father of fear. You don't even trust God to keep your wife safe. Abraham said, well, I repented. He said, no, you didn't repent. You did it a second time for crying out loud. Did he do it a second time? How many women think that's fairly bad? Slap your husbands up for that kind of stuff, you know? So I know that kind of voice is going through Abram's head because it goes through my head, okay? Because demons are still around, still chatting away, and, and their voice comes as spontaneous flowing thoughts, just like the Holy Spirit comes as spontaneous flowing thoughts, just at the origin, originator is a demon, not the Holy Spirit. It's an evil spirit, not the Holy Spirit. Let's take a look at the Holy Spirit. His voice is going to line up with his names. He's going to speak comfort, going to speak truth, going to edify, build you up, going to be exhort and teach you and going to give you abundant life, okay? So, yeah, I think there's, he's getting those kinds of thoughts, too, during these 10 years. <laughs> he's saying, Abram, it's okay. Just believe. Just trust. God, God's going to do this in the fullness of time. God's going to make it happen, all right? Uh, I know that because the Lord tells me that, you know? I mean, and I've had a few dialogues with God about this. <laughs> One of them was to overcome my fear issue because I said, God, how about if I say this, that we're going to saturate the world with the message of communion with God, and I say it all my life, believing that it's going to happen, and it doesn't actually happen, and we don't saturate the world with the message of communion with God, and I'm in my deathbed, and I'm in my casket. All the cynics who've never believed I was going to amount to anything, they're going to be standing around the casket laughing and snickering and pointing and saying, he thought it was a big hot shot for Jesus, and look at there, he didn't, he didn't accomplish it. And I said, God, even though I'm going to be dead in my casket, I'm still going to be embarrassed. Okay, because I'm going to look like a fool, and I hate looking like a fool. So I'd rather just not say that we're going to saturate the world with the message of communion with God until you do it. And God said, no, that's not the plan. You speak things into existence, all right? He said, I spoke the worlds into existence. If you're not willing to speak what I ask you to speak, it's, you're going to ha have an abortion. It's not going to work, all right? So, um, so I journaled, and I said, Lord, I hate looking like a fool, what do you want to say about this? He said, Mark, <laughs> he says, if you die and you're in your casket and we have not yet saturated the world with the message of communion with God, you know what I'm going to do for you? I'm going to put you in Hebrews chapter 11 as one of those heroes in faith who died in faith, believing that what God had said he was going to do, even though it didn't happen in their lifetime. How many know hero in faith is a better picture than fool? Because if I hold a picture of me looking like a fool, do you know what that does to my faith? Hope, love, joy, and peace? It's right down the drain, okay? And if I hold a picture within me that I'll be a hero if I die in faith and this doesn't happen, then that's going to produce faith and hope and love and joy till the day I die. 
And God said, I just want you to die in faith. Because if I don't do it through you, I'll do it through your kids. <laughs> I said, that's not a good plan. I think if you give me a rhema word, you ought to do it within like 10 minutes of the time. You know, how many vote for 10 minutes? Could I just see the 10-minute hands here, you know? And God says, well, well, whose plan is this, yours or mine? I said, well, I understand it's yours, but, but I've got a way to improve it. And he said, Mark, why don't you just practice saying yes, Lord, instead of telling me how to run my universe around, okay? So how many of you know we can't change the rules of the universe? We just have to agree with them or else get angry and bitter and nasty and mean, amen? And I've tried angry, bitter, nasty, and mean for a while, and I thought, eh, yuck. There's no reason to be alive the way I, with the attitudes I got. They're so cruddy. Um, so I don't want to live there anymore. I want to live in vibrant faith. One of the elders of the church that I pastored years ago, he said something which I have put on my desk as a poster. He has, you had some posters put on your desk. He said, leadership is automatically transferred to those who remain optimistic. And he said that at a, at a point when I was very pessimistic about the government and the nation and everything else, and I was grumbling and moaning. And when he said that, leadership is automatically transferred to those who remain optimistic. I thought, man, I'm trying to be a leader, and I'm down in the dumps? Who wants to follow a down-in-the-dumps person, you know? I repented for that, and, um, and now I am an optimist, okay? Because how many know God's pretty much an optimist? He, he pretty much thinks he's, he's in control, running the universe, you know, and going to work it all out. And he, th he actually believes he's going to work everything out for good everything out for good to those who are called according to his purpose. Amen? And I can scratch my head and say, well, there's no way this can be good. Or I can say, God, how are you going to work this out for good? Okay? And then he'll, if I ask, he'll show me. And he'll show me the step he would like me to take. All right? So how many senses? Okay, so we can go on to the next PowerPoint then, I think, if you'd like. Should be another one there. Should take us back to our chart on the four keys to, uh, not the four keys. That's what I taught over the course of the weekend. Okay, so we've got how many senses filled now? We've got a rhema word from God. We've got a vision from God. Uh, now we're going to figure out the third sense. Will Abram ponder demonic negatives? Like, you can't do it. You're a miserable, low-down sinner. Or is he going to ponder Holy Ghost positives? Will you turn to Romans chapter 4, verse 20 and 21? Romans 4, verse 20 and 21. And let's see who or what fills his mind. Satan? Demons or the Holy Spirit? Romans, Romans chapter 4, verse 20 and 21. Yet with respect to the promise of God, Abram did not waver in unbelief. Say that with me. Did not waver in unbelief, but he grew strong in faith. Let's say that. He grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully assured what God had promised, God was able to to perform, and it was credited to him as righteousness. So you tell me who fills the third sentence of Abram's spirit, demonic negatives or Holy Ghost positives? Yeah, Holy Ghost positives, okay? So now the fourth sense, okay? Inner will, where you set your will, conviction in your spirit, and you speak it forth. Now we're going back to Genesis. Genesis. We're going to finish this story up in Genesis, so... You flip back there, our last two are going to be in Genesis. Genesis chapter 17, verse 5. Really, really interesting. Genesis chapter 17, verse 5. God is in a dialogue with Abraham again. And um, in verse 5, now he's, he's uh, 99 years of age, has no children by his wife, okay? And here's what God says. No longer shall your name be called Abram, 
but your name shall be what? Abraham, because I'm going to make you the father of a multitude of nations. Do you know what the word Abraham means? If you know it, shout it out, please. Father of many nations. So he's 99. <laughs> Newcomer shows up in town. He shakes his hand and says, hello, my name is Abraham. Hello, I am the father of many nations. And the guy says, aware? He says, oh, in here, glory to God. <laughs> How many of you know you look like a moron at this point? <laughs> Complete idiot. Like this guy's lost his marbles. Okay, God, and I, and I, in my conversations with God at this point, is saying, God, tell you what, if you uh, get my wife pregnant first, then I'll be glad to confess, you know, what, you know, I'm the father of many nations. God said, no, I think you should just go ahead and confess you're the father of many nations, and I'll get her pregnant second. And I said, God, that's a really bad plan because it takes you forever to start anything, okay? <laughs> and I'm going to look like a moron the whole time I'm confessing it. So I don't really want to say it because I really don't want to look like a moron. And God said, Mark, I spoke the worlds into being. And when you are creating kingdom realities, you are speaking to the being something, life or death, all right? My kingdom or Satan's kingdom. And if you're unwilling to speak and call it forth because you see it on the inside and birth it on the outside, he said, you're not going to be able to birth it. How many people in this room would like to be able to birth kingdom realities in the darkness of our culture right now? If you would say amen. amen. He said, if you get a rhema word from me and a vision from me, and we taught this weekend that when you get a, get a rhema word and vision, you submit it, you become accountable, submit it to your two or three spiritual advisors, make sure they confirm it's a rhema word and vision, and then you run with it in faith. Because the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every rhema, every spoken word is confirmed. So. I don't go running off half-cocked. I submit it to my spirit, three spiritual advisors, which I've had for 40 years, and uh, get their confirmation. And then I say, thus saith the Lord. God said it. He confirmed it through three other people I'm accountable to, and I'm believing it, okay? Till the day I die, I'm believing it, all right? So <laughs> he's speaking it, okay? And, and you and I have to speak it. You know, we have to speak what we see in our spirit and that's what helps make it real, okay? Because death and life is in the power of the tongue. Amen? Yeah. Amen. And how many of you know we don't want to take our tongues and contribute to de death and the darkness that's in this nation? We are the ones who take our tongues and we contribute to life and to light and to kingdom reality. And Satan says, I don't think you should do that. I say, shut up! Did I ask you what you thought? I don't want to listen to the voice of the accuser who tells me it's all going to hell in a hand-based basket. That's not what God said. God said of the increase of my government, there will be no end. How many know that's a pretty nice picture to hold in your mind? Because if you hold that picture, how many know you will not be prophesying gloom and doom over anything? You'll be prophesying the increase of his government that never ends, which means Satan's government is de decreasing and coming to an end. It's important to clean up my pictures and clean up my mouth and clean up my pondering and before I knew all these five senses and purposed to only fill them with life and not darkness, I was speaking crud half the time, believing crud half the time, prophesying crud half the time, and now I don't anymore. All right, so how many senses do we have filled? We just, that's number four. Inner emotions that move you to action. Genesis chapter 17. If we uh, stop at verse 10, before we get to verse 23, just stop at verse 10 for a moment. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Wow. New information. He hadn't told, talked about circumcision earlier. And guess what? As we're walking along our miracle-filled paths, 
God's free to give us new information, and he will give us new information and guidance. So I, every morning I get up and say, good morning, Lord. I uh, love you. What do you want to say to me? And I give him the freedom to give me new guidance for the day that will steer me in a new direction. Now, here's new guidance for the day that steers him in a new direction. And so in verse, verse 23, um, is that verse 23? Am I right? Genesis chapter 17, verse 23. Abraham took, it, it says in the last, last part of that verse, on the very same day that God sp spoke to him, he had his whole family circumcised. Please say, say very same day. Please say instant obedience. Say total obedience. Yeah, okay. Now this is not where he started his faith walk because when we started his faith walk and God said, leave your Chaldees and leave your relatives, leave your family. Did he leave his relatives or take his relatives with him? He brought his relatives with him. Would you please say partial obedience? So he began his faith walk with partial obedience. And you know, God, God accepts us, meets us where we're at, okay? But now he's come to a point after walking with the voice and vision of God for 25 years, instant total obedience. And how many believe that's the kind of thing that will happen with us as we walk with God's voice and vision for numerous years and find him faithful? We will learn to be totally obedient also, instantly obedient. Okay, so there we are. Five senses are filled. Let's go on to the next PowerPoint if we can which will show us the bottom of our chart. On the bottom of your chart, bottom right corner, you've got Genesis 21, verse 1 and 2. So if you'd please just turn over to Genesis 21. This is a beautiful ending to the story. The Lord took note for Sarah, as he said. The Lord did for no, uh, Sarah, as he promised. And Sarah conceived. Please say, Sarah conceived. And she bore a son in his old age at the appointed time, because God had said a year earlier that within this next year it's going to happen, at which God had spoken to them. And uh, verse 5, <laughs> Abraham was only 100 years old <laughs> when the miracle happened. <laughs> this only took 25 years to pull off. Mm. How many don't like that? I have explained to God that is a really bad plan. 25, you, something you tell me, it takes 25 years before it happens. I said, I think 25 minutes is much better. And God said, Mark, why don't you just practice yes, Lord, instead of giving me instruction as to how to run my universe. So, so I've decided to go with yes, Lord. And God gave me promises in my journal 25 years ago of things he was going to do through me, which haven't happened yet. <laughs> but I still am believing that they are going to happen because I can either lay down and whine and cry and quit, or I can be a believer. And how many know it's being a believer that makes a difference in life, amen? Being a believer in God and his kingdom, not a believer in Satan and his crap, amen? Because the accuser always says, nothing good's gonna happen, everything bad's gonna happen, and then you just have to say, shut up! Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And if it didn't come from Jesus, if it came, if it's not full of light and life and joy and peace and edifying and upbuilding, kick it out. Kick it out. It has no place there. Every thought captive to Jesus Christ. How many know if we do that, we're going to feel a whole lot better about life? And we will not be depressed. Amen? Yeah. And I've already tried depression. It was the pits, so I don't want to go back to it. All right. So please say it worked. Say, yay. <laughs> okay, well, now there's little, one little verse there that I skipped, and, uh, and it's that death of a vision thing. And the reason I skipped it is because I don't like it. And I, so I figure if I skip that verse, it won't be in my Bible anymore. 
You don't think that's going to work, do you? Okay, well, then we'll just read it for the fun of it, just to see what this ugly thing is all about. All right, chapter 16, uh, verse, uh, what are we at? Verse 2. All right, chapter 16, verse 2. Ooh, this is pretty interesting. Now, they've been going 11 years, 10 years, no kids yet. So, verse 2, Sarai says to Abram, since the Lord's prevented me from having children, why don't you please go into my handmaiden and we can have a child through her. And Abram listened to the voice of who? <laughs> of Sarai. <laughs> okay, I have a loaded question for the men to answer, and if they answer it wrong, they will not eat for several days, okay? So don't rush to an answer. Is it okay to listen to the voice of your wife? <laughs> we had some brave men who offered some answers. Oh, my gosh. Congratulations to you. All right. Sometimes, yes. And the times that it's okay to listen to the voice of your wife is when she's listening to the voice of God. It's the same as me. Is it okay to listen to my voice? Yeah, if I'm listening to the voice of God. If I haven't heard from God, do I have anything worth anything to say to you? No, because my thoughts are not his thoughts. God clearly says that. So I can tell you what I think about something, but it's worthless because it's not his thoughts. And my culture says, are you kidding me? Of course you can talk about your thoughts because you're a smart, brilliant, intelligent person. God says, look, he said, my rhemas, my words, spoken words, are spirit and life. The flesh profits nothing. <laughs> That's John 6, 63. I crossed that one on my Bible too. So I said, what do you mean by the flesh? I mean, this is a pretty decent mind. And you know, yeah, I've got some muscle there, you know? You're telling me nothing? He said, yeah, nothing. It's called, it's called a, well, dead work. Yeah, that's what we got, right? I'll repent. Did, did, they, did they bear a child through this? Yeah. What was his name? Ishmael. Did he, and he grew up, right? When he's 11 years of age, 12 years of age, he's ready to now bear a seed line. And so they're showing him off to God and saying, hey, look what we have produced through our own brilliance. We didn't, didn't even need your voice on this one. Genesis 17, verse 18 and 19, they're showing him off to God, and here's God's response. Genesis 17, verse 18, Abram said to God, let Ishmael live before you, and God says, no, but Sarah will bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I'll establish my covenant with him. My goodness, what do you mean, no, God? You gave us a vision, and we put our heads together, and we came up with a brilliant idea, and we've worked hard on it, and we've birthed something pretty decent, and we put love and money and care into this child, and you're telling me you're not taking it? God says, no. I said, well, then what in the world do you want? He said, well, I want you to hear my voice every day, and I want you to take a walk in the garden every day, and let me guide you and direct you, and only do what you hear me saying. How many know that's what Jesus did, right? I do only, I do nothing on my own initiative. Now, he only said that six times in the Gospel of John. I do nothing on my own initiative. I said, I do almost everything on my initiative because my culture taught me to do, do that. My church taught me to do that. My schooling taught me to do that. My college taught me to do that. And um, Jesus said, well, that's fine, but that's not the way I live my life. I do nothing on my own initiative unless it's something I hear my father speaking or see my father doing. He said it six times. When he says six, says it six, six times, how many think he probably means it and he wants us to live that way? And I said, well, God, I can't live that way because the church I got saved in said that God quit talking, so I can't live out of your voice. And he said, well, the church was wrong because my sheep hear my voice, and lo, I am with you always, and I'm right next to you, and I'm talking to you. 
I said, yeah, but I joined the charismatic church and they couldn't teach me how to hear God's voice. So even though I believe it's probably possible, I have no idea how to do it. He says, well, why don't you come spend a year of your life and learn how to hear my voice? That, he actually told me that. And that was 1979. And I said, a year of my life to learn one lesson. Are you kidding? I live in America. You know, we, we have, I had five courses every trimester in college. Well, I have never, that's 15 courses a year. I have never spent a year learning one skill. And God said, well, you know, Mark, you've spent 10 years in diffused effort. You didn't get through. If you spent a year in focused effort and got through, it would be the best year of your life, especially when you're learning the number one skill that you need for successful living. And I said, fine, I'll take a year of my life. And I took a year of my life, and he taught me, oh, hearing God's voice is really simple. You just picture Jesus next to you because he is. You quiet yourself down. You ask him for input. You tune to flowing thoughts because there's a river within you that flows. So when the river flows, it's going to give you flowing thoughts. So you tune away from analytical structured thinking that you have, and you tune to flowing thoughts. You just, boom, just light up on your mind. How many think flowing thoughts that light up on your mind is a pretty easy way to live because everybody has them, including children, amen? And if Christianity is that simple, and if hearing God's voice is that simple, well, we just simplified life, and we simplified Christianity, we sim simplified everything because everybody has flowing thoughts every day of their life, but no one ever told them Flowing thoughts are coming from the river of God that flows from his throne through your heart. It's flowing within you, and when you tune to the flow within you, flowing thoughts or flowing pictures, you will get his voice and his vision. Well, if it's that simple, I can practice that for how many weeks are you going to run the course? 10 or 20? I don't care. I can practice it for 10 or 20 together with a group, and we can share what we're getting, and we can confirm that we're on the right path and get established in living in flow rather than established in living in analytical reasoning and logic, which is the God that my culture, our culture, worships, and I used to worship, okay? Jesus, if he did nothing on his own initiative, that means he didn't, didn't even think on his own. He allowed the Spirit to guide his thoughts, and when flow guides my thoughts, it gives me brilliant thoughts and brilliant insights. Einstein said, I want to know God's thoughts. The rest are details. Okay, so even him, he wasn't even a Christian. He still hungered for revelation, knowledge, and flowing thoughts because he knew that's where creativity was. And because he could tap into that, um, he got a lot of creative ideas from God that changed our world greatly. And the point is, you and I can do that if anyone teaches us how to hear his voice and how to see vision. And your church is going to take the time to make sure that happens in the coming months. And I really, really appreciate you doing that, Eric. All right, Dr. Eric, excuse me. Okay, so, yeah. Come on, give him a hand, Dr. Eric. Amen. Woo-hoo. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> okay, so that's the way I've lived my life now for 40 years. Okay, since 1979, when I learned to hear his voice. And uh, even though I hated college and promised I'd never go back, I had built a university with 15,000 students in 129 nations. How many know that that's beyond me? Okay. Even though I hated writing, English, grammar, and spelling, I have written over 50 books, which some of them have been translated into 55 languages. I, you know, how many know we're talking way beyond what this farmer boy who planned on milking cows all of his life is doing? You know, and instead of being a B-level student, I actually have the mind of Christ and I'm brilliant. So yay, come on, please say, I am brilliant. <laughs> say, I take my breath away. I'll come. See, if you can't say that comfortably and with conviction, then you're screwed up and messed up on the inside and you're not conscious of the spirit that we sang about over and over who lives within you, who makes you that. And instead of being conscious of that, you're conscious of your limitations. 
And how many know that's a false consciousness? It's a false reality. It's a false picture, picture and you need to kill it and get it out of your system and say, look, I'm going to believe what I sang this morning, okay? I'm going to believe there's a the rip from the Holy Spirit within me that makes me glow and makes me brilliant and makes me amazing and makes me a world changer. And how many know when the world, the church believes that, we will change America? Amen. And how many know today is the day to do that? Today is the day, because America needs us doing that. Amen? Amen. So I think that's the whole sermon, I believe, okay? So there we go. I guess the only thing to close to this sermon would be, hey, if you'd like to say amen to this, then I would like to give you an opportunity to close by affirming ver verbally with your lips, uh, repeating some things after me that I am willing to learn to live out of the voice of God. I'm willing to learn to see his vision. And if I, that means I need to go to this 15-week uh, course that uh, Dr. Eric is offering, I will go, but I will take the time I need to master these skills so that I can ponder God's thoughts, speak God's thoughts, act God's thoughts, and birth miracles. If you would like to confess that over yourself, I'm going to invite you to stand right now and speak it after me as I speak it to you, all right? Father, we thank you for the power of your word to instruct our lives. Father, we thank you for Abraham, the father of faith, who teaches us how to be children in faith and how, how to grow up as mighty men and women of faith. And Father, we thank you that faith working by love produces miracles, transforms our lives and the lives of those around us. And so, Lord, today we want to say yes to the lifestyle of Abraham. And so t today, Lord, we confess in your presence those things that we are drawn to do. And so, Lord, we, we say this. Uh, I choose to learn to hear God's voice and to see vision and to live out of his voice and to live out of vision just as Jesus Christ did. And I choose to ponder only those things which Jesus gives to me. And I choose to speak only those words that Jesus tells me to speak. And I choose to act in faith in the ways that you ask me to act believing that you are going before me and you are going with me and lo, you are with me always and I am not alone. You live within me. And Lord, I choose to expect kingdom miracles to be released out through my life as I walk in your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, for the miracle of your kingdom alive within me. And so, Father, right now, I release an anointing upon this congregation. Lord, that the ease that you've given to me to learn to hear your voice and see vision, I release that same anointing and that same ease into the atmosphere, into the life of every single person who is in this room today. I release it to you that you will have an ease to hear in hearing his voice and an ease in seeing vision. You will capture it quickly and with confidence. So it is yours, it is yours, it is yours. Say, I take it, I take it, I take it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And all God's people said, 
Amen. Can we give the Lord a big, big, big hand? Hallelujah. Woohoo! Okay.